Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Astral Reflections Written by Matt Butcher Narrated by Harry Dobby There was a time when men communed with the gods A golden era in the fourth dynasty of ancient Egypt That has all but been buried by the sands of time It was a brief meeting of human and the divine, not too dissimilar to Michelangelo's later masterpiece on the Sistine Chapel's lofty ceiling, though manifesting itself as something far more phenomenal and abstract than a touching of fingers. History is a fickle thing, my grandfather had lectured to me as a young girl. It is as untrustworthy as a charlatan and as forgetful as a senile imbecile. He was right, of course, though perhaps insensitive in his expression of the sentiment. Subject to change and omission, history finds itself skewed by the political perspective of warfare's victors and oppressive belief systems alike. We remember what the current government finds convenient for us to remember. The cogs of the propaganda machine turn furiously and without ceasing. Do not let others think for you or tell you how the world is or was my grandfather had further taught me. Decide for yourself. Live by your own volition. The sovereignty of individual thought is paramount to progressive society. It was this advice that had spurned me onwards to make the breakthroughs that I have of late and to complete grandfather's work when others have sought only to discredit and defame him since well before his passing. My research had been somewhat directionless until cosmic rays revealed that there was a hidden chamber deep in the heart of the Great Pyramid of Giza, 
built under the rule of the largely forgotten Khufu. My grandfather had often wondered of the true nature of the mighty structure as he, too, was convinced it served greater purpose than merely an obscene, posthumous monument to Khufu's ego. Given my status in the archaeological community, I was able to gain access to artefacts and texts located within. Finally, my suspicions and those of my grandfather were confirmed. Though other researchers disregarded the scripts as flamboyant, mythological fiction, I, like my grandfather before me, was willing to entertain all possibilities, no matter how unbelievable they may seem at first. The texts, once deciphered, spoke of the pharaoh Khufu. He found himself plagued with visions and dreams, instructing him to build the Great Pyramid. According to the texts, Khufu was given exact measurements handed to him by the god of knowledge, Thoth. These he had to follow meticulously, lest the pyramid be useless. The monument took an impressive two decades to create, an achievement in and of itself, and was finished with what has been mistranslated as a coronation or crowning, which scholars assumed referred to an ancient ribbon-cutting ceremony of sorts. I have later corrected this to the described placement of a solid gold capstone placed at the pyramid's peak, a literal crowning of the monument. There is further talk of an adorning of great wealth, which I believe to relate to further implementing of gold, whether it be a gold leaf coating placed onto the outer wall, or some form of golden cables running along each corner ridge. I am still unsure as to which, though I am certain it was the gold that was key to the process. Its property as a superconductor or electricity is widely known currently but it would appear that gold is also a superconductor of energies we cannot fully comprehend even as of yet. The limestone form of the pyramid, all that remains today, was only intended as a framework to support and house the golden array and central chamber at its core. This mighty structure was, to put it concisely, a spiritual machine. The gods that Kofu is said to have communicated with, Thoth, Seshat, and primarily Horus, were something far more fantastic than effigies of primitive archetypes. They were sentient consciousnesses that existed in abstract spaces that we could never wrap our limited minds around. Whilst we dwell in our three spatial dimensions given longevity by the non-materialistic dimension of time, They lived in a reality parallel to ours, but distant in ways uninterpretable to human senses. They lived in the astral reflection of our multiverse, in the spaces between the strands of the fabric our reality is woven from. This glorious machine they had devised was capable of channeling a meeting point of our two otherwise utterly intangible realms. According to the texts, Khufu found the Eye of Horus in the pyramid's central chamber, into which he gazed for what was, or at least felt like, an eternity. Horus imparted to him great knowledge of science and philosophy, language and mathematics. When he emerged from the chamber, he was greatly aged, old far beyond his time. My peers had written this off as mere symbolism, 
that what it portrayed was that Khufu was now as wise as an old man. I, however, have a different interpretation. In the Eye of Horus, what Khufu had supposedly witnessed was, in fact, a three-dimensional representation of a trans-dimensional bridge between the two realities. The immense gravitational disruption in the central chamber would have caused significant time dilation. It would have been entirely possible for a year in the chamber to be no more than a week to the outside world. The texts continue to say that, despite the great benefits of the knowledge he had been bestowed, Khufu believed it necessary to gain more. His kingdom was thriving, and he sought the means to spread what he had learned far and wide. Sadly, he was not to return from his second communal with the Eye of Horus. Although it is written that he was met with Anubis, who guided him to glory in the afterlife, it is likely that he remained too long in the chamber, enthralled by all he was learning, and died of old age. Prior to this final entrance of the pyramid, Khufu had named his son, Jedfrey, as successor. Sadly, Jedfrey, spoilt to the point of self-deification, he did not share his father's altruism and sought to manipulate this secret knowledge for his personal gain. Declaring himself the embodiment of the sun god, Ra, Jedfrey set about destroying all progress his father had bestowed freely amongst his subjects. Jedfrey was a staunch belief in the class system and its hierarchy, of which he sat atop, and thought only those at the top should benefit from such privilege and benefit. According to a group of scribes, to gain further knowledge for him to keep to himself, Jedfrey was left waiting indefinitely. The scribes were not to return. Having previously arranged a mutiny, they did what they could to sever the bridge, in the process even sacrificing themselves. Their corpses were found largely preserved within the hidden chamber alongside the texts they had died to protect. As he waited, Jedfrey was forced to watch as his kingdom succumbed to revolt against his tyranny. His father's achievements were undone, as he had set out to do, but no benefit to himself or his wealthy friends. The Great Pyramid's gold was looted and its function reduced to that which it has been designated by modern-day historians. Using the blueprints, I and my team drafted from the recovered texts we were able to create a scaled-down reconstruction of Khufu's Great Pyramid. We opted to coat the entire structure in gold leaf, in tandem with the rods running the length of each corner edge in the interest of thoroughness, and made sure to laser cut all materials to the measurements with meticulous accuracy to replicate the geometry, both seen and unseen, to near perfection. My hope was that somehow I was correct in these lofty assumptions that my grandfather wasn't the lunatic history had painted him as for his research and beliefs, and that through some miracle of science, as of yet unknown, I was able to manufacture a microscopic trans-dimensional gateway. With the miniature scaling we were forced to use, this singularity was predicted to be no more than an atom wide, a mere pinprick in space and time that a single ray of light could shine through. I just hoped, prayed to the gods of science and mysticism that this would somehow work. It didn't though. Of course it didn't. 
We had all become so carried away by this flight of fantasy that we, as scientists and dreamers, had lost our sense of rationality. We felt like such damn fools. History was right. My grandfather was insane as they had proclaimed. With my tail between my legs, I cancelled the project to nurse my ego and my finances, as the limited amount of gold sourced for the model did not come cheap. Taking the miniature pyramid back to my apartment, I set it upon my home office desk with the monitoring equipment still set recording the millimetre-wide central chamber in a final act of desperate defiance. Again, for weeks, nothing happened. I'd all but forgotten about the damn thing's existence when a brief spiking in the readings caught my eye. Though these brief pulses of energy were minute, they were rhythmic. Too much so to be random, as my initial scepticism had led me to assume. Shortly after I had accepted the intelligent nature of these pulses, an idea that I believed to not be entirely my own crept into my head. When viewed from their beginning, these energy pulses were reciting pi to an impossible number of places, with the height of the spikes on the graph denoting numeric value from 1 through 9. This was such an impossible occurrence that it just had to be an intelligence reaching out with a greeting in the universal language, mathematics. I had essentially created an interdimensional telephone and had given up when the recipient of the call hadn't answered immediately. Fearful that we would change anything by moving the pyramid back to the college library, I instructed my team to set up in my apartment. When the pulses had reached 31,415,926 places, a further expression of pi, and perhaps a form of mathematical humour on their part, the pulses ceased. They were waiting for a reply. A laser was set up, its aim set dead on the pinprick void in the pyramid's centre, and a programme was set to recite pi to 304,159,265 places. This was to prove we had understood their message and were able to expand on the information. We expressed pi further by way of their secondary expression. We were replying a simple, Hello, we understand. The programme took overnight to run, though no one slept. Fueled by adrenaline and caffeine, we savoured every moment of the history we were making. What we were witnessing had not been experienced for thousands of years, and perhaps wouldn't for a thousand more had we not carried out such an experiment so laughable to our peers. This back and forth, or mathematical sequencing, has continued to present day, but I am unable to take this research further. I am no pharaoh, and I have no nation of resource to draw on to make such a magnificent machine. Which is why I'm reaching out to you. To all of you. Just think what we could achieve with the guidance of these abstract beings. We could save our dying world and, in its place, leave a utopia for our children to inherit. We could start what my grandfather and Pharaoh Khufu had started, despite being split by the ages. We could learn the secrets of the universe and its mechanics, both material and immaterial. We have the gods of old knocking on our door, ready to elevate us to their level would we only listen to them. Humanity is on the precipice of such godhood. 
We must not squander such a glorious opportunity. Please, please, take the time to consider what it is I offer and allow the heavy veil of scientific scepticism to part, if only briefly. What I have discovered is very real. I have finally completed my grandfather's great work. I hope this validation of his research may serve to lift some of the hatred that mars his name. He was a brilliant man. He just lost his way, I see that now. He made the connection to the other side in some part, but gave too much of himself to it and part of him became lost. I hope he smiles at me from the other side. Yours sincerely, Thelma Alice Crowley. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Astral Reflections was written by Matt Butcher, narrated by Harry Dobby, with music by Tom Kent Music and Tom Robson. We've got great news for fans of audio fiction. They Rot, a post-apocalyptic horror thriller written by regular writers of The Other Stories, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox, and narrated by long-standing voice talent Justin Fife, is now available on Audible. You can get the full five-hour story for free when you start your 30-day free trial from audible.com. Just search for They Rot on audible.com to start listening now. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.